We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. I am here live at the Bridging to Resilience conference here in Wichita, Kansas. And today we have Andy Amen. Andy, welcome to Resilient Schools. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in poverty and severe abuse. Ended up in state custody when I was 15, mm. group homes, foster homes, had a baby early, then uh, got into bad relationships, active addiction. I was an opioid. I had a 10-year opioid addiction, wow. three-year meth addiction. I was an IV user. Had a traumatic, tumultuous relationship for 18 years mm. and uh, ended up homeless for two, mm. wow. two years. So, um, and, and where are you at now? I've been clean and sober for five years. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm a para at the McPherson County Learning Center through ESDAP. Okay. And a leading advocate for recovery and resources and bridging the gap in our community. Cool. Very good. Why are you a paraeducator? You know, I landed that job in the strangest way. Um, <laughs> the The director from that school was following me on Facebook Oh, really? And and so when that position came open, he uh, contacted me. He was like, I think my students need you. Wow. And I was like, there's not a chance they're going to hire hmm. me. I'm a felon. Like, there's no way. And they did. It was really just, it was a God thing. Yeah. God said, this is where you're supposed to be, and I'm going to put you here. Because yeah. I would have never in a million years thought that I was going to be in a position like that, especially yeah. with the past that I had. And it's been one of my biggest blessings. That's amazing. Very cool. Why do you think you got it even with that past? Like when the director said, my kids need you, what does that mean? Why is that the case? And how do you fulfill that today? You know, Mark is the, uh, he's the academic in our center and, and he's, he's loved by all, but I'm the mom. Uh, I'm the mom in that building. I serve two roles. I'm the heart and, uh, I'm also the one that can push a little bit without hurting. And, and that's really our goal, you know, to be trauma-informed. 
that I can still get you there without re-traumatizing you. So we have a very unique atmosphere in our center, and we work really, really hard to maintain that for all of our students. Yeah, interesting. So you're here at this conference. What are you personally here for? This is actually one of my favorite events of the year. Hmm. I absolutely love this conference. I love the new brain science that they bring to us every year, the new trauma-informed strategies that they bring to us every year. I love to hear the hope spotlights. I absolutely love to hear people's stories. Those are amazing. Um, I am a why person. I want to know why. I want to know what got you here. Why are you the way you are? Why do you think the way you do? Why, Why do you have the perception that you do or the perspective that you do? What changed you? Or Mm -hmm. why haven't you changed yet? I want to know those things. Those things are important. Those things show me your soul. Yeah, they really do. Mm -hmm. You shared about the stories of hope that they share uh, before the keynotes and stuff. And I interviewed a few of those kids yesterday. And their stories are just really amazing because at such a young age, they're learning things that full-grown adults still haven't learned. Yeah. When I was talking with Jackie a bit ago, we were talking Mm -hmm. about that, uh, the need for suffering and pain and trials. What's your perspective on that? I have no regret or shame of my story. I don't. I have done the work to get me to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very accepting of my past. I had to have all of that. Mm -hmm. I had to have every bit of that. I had to have, I had to have that hard that hard abuse of childhood, to be honest, it prepared me for my mistakes. It prepared me for my active addiction. I had to have every one of those mistakes to get me to that one moment where God showed me my future. Mm. And he showed me my future and I believed him. And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't want my kids to get that phone call. Yeah. And that was what changed it for me. I didn't want my kids to get that phone call that they found me in a public bathroom with a needle in my arm and that they were going to forever be those kids. Yeah. And and that changed it for me. And I needed all of that in order to get to that point, that gift of desperation hmm. in order to be able to turn it around. And I tell you, when, when you come from a, a rough, hard upbringing, we grow up real fast, but we can problem solve pretty quick. Yeah. And and those kids can do that. And and now being in the learning centers and, and getting the trauma informed education and the and the love that they get from the facilitators and the teachers and the directors, um, now they get the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. So tell me about when you said God showed you your future. Tell me about getting to that point. What it sounds like is you were making a lot of bad choices, and then God said, "This is where you're heading." That was exactly what it was. All right. Do you want to expand on that at all? You don't have to, Um, but... Yeah, I was, I'd been, you know, I'd been in active addiction for over 12 years. At that point, had been homeless for almost two. Mm -hmm. Um, None of my kids would have anything to do with me. In fact, my my oldest, my son, didn't even know anything about it. Like, I I worked so hard to not communicate that with him that he wasn't even aware that, that things were that bad for me. But I had grown up with such trauma and such codependency. I didn't know that there were resources for me out there. The maybe one or two resources that I knew that were available, um, you know, go into treatment or, or, or you know, go into a shelter. Um, I was too scared to ask for. Like, 
I just had this acceptance that this is my life and this is just how it's going to be and it'll be fine and it's no big deal and I'm just that person. And uh, and then that night, that one fateful night, God said, no, I'm going to show you what's coming. Hmm. You're going to die and it's going to be very, fairly quickly and this is going to be the aftermath of it. And wow. that was it. That did it. So people say things like, God does not dwell in unholy temples and somebody abusing drugs and making a lot of bad choices is probably what we would consider an unholy temple. How do you, how do you take that idea? God no dwelled one. in all of my unholy moments. Okay. I wouldn't have made it through. You don't see that at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't see that at the time. I, I had a lot of shame around God because I believed. Um, I, I grew up believing, but I had a lot of confusion there. You know, mm-hmm. all these things that happened to me as a kid and I couldn't understand. I'd lay in bed and I'd pray and pray and pray for God to save me and nobody saved me. And and so I I did a lot of, you know, I didn't do a lot of praying out there on the street except for them foxhole prayers of, come yeah. on, just get me out of this one more time. Yeah. But I also know that that uh, God can't communicate with somebody who can't hear him. Mm-hmm. But he was still there. Like he still got me through every hard moment that looking back, I like, how did I even get out of that? How did I get out of there? How did I wake up from that the next day? If that's not God, like I didn't do none of that on my own. Yeah. (laughs) It sure wasn't luck. I wasn't living in any kind of, any kind of luck filled anything. So yeah, God dwelled in every one of my unholy moments. Yeah. Or I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. It's so fascinating because... There's so much judgment around people's choices and whether or not they're doing what is quote unquote right. And yet God was still there for you. Mm -hmm. And in your darkest moment, he was really there. Yes. Now that you're on the other side of that, what does that look like now? Do you feel like God is still there? Do you feel like he's still guiding you? Do you feel like he gave you the the vision, and now he's like, now you have to do this on your own. What are oh, your thoughts absolutely there? not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Look, I can't get through a single day without that. Yeah. I can't. Um, and, and I stay, you know, you were speaking to Jackie earlier about, you know, God leading us or, or whatever higher power you choose to believe in or follow leading you. And I absolutely believe that. Uh, man, you know, when I don't stay on the beam, mm-hmm. when I don't stay connected to that power that saved my life, um, stuff gets real jumbled for me. Mm-hmm. Stuff starts to get kind of hard. My attitude gets really bad. I start living in the unfairness of it all. But, you know, if I, if I stay in that connection and I, and I stay with what saved me and I believe in it, man, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Even when it's hard, I'm good. And I know I'm good and I know I'm covered. Yeah. Yeah, because the things that you're going through now, are they as hard as what you went through oh, before? Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and I got to stay humble in that. Mm-hmm. I got to stay humble in that when, when, when the world starts to crash in around me, um, I'm still solid and I'm still okay. And it's still better than it was. And it yeah. can always be worse. Yeah. So how do you instill this and communicate this to the students when they're going through difficult times that you're working with? You know, you really don't have to tell them a lot because they already know. Ah. Like they already know. Yes. They already know that life's hard. They already know that it's unfair. Mm. Um, you know, I find a lot of like we're having that with a couple of, of our boys at home where they're just lost in the unfairness of it all. And I'm like, man, yeah. you don't even know. But by the time we get them, you know, in their high school years, you know, they, they already know. 
They know it's unfair and they know it's hard and they know it's painful. And, and they're just, they're either stuck or they're, or they're done. They're spent and they're done and they don't want one more adult looking at them saying, well, if you'd have just worked a little harder, if you'd have just tried, tried more, you know, they just can't do that. Mm. And, and so that is what I've learned during my time at the Learning Center and through the trauma-informed training that I've gotten through ESDAC is that, you know, our trauma changes our brain. Mm. It changes how we learn. And so every student that comes into us, we have to get to know them. We have to ask them questions. We have to stick our nose where most people think that it doesn't belong because I want to know what built you. Mm-hmm. I need to know what built you so I can know what I need to take apart mm-hmm. to put it back together. Um, I can't save you. I can't change your life, but I can give you some tools to help you save yourself. Yeah. And I can show you that that's possible. My existence proves to you that that is possible. Yeah. There's this idea that somebody can't help someone through something if they haven't been through that themselves. What's your take on that? I don't think that's necessarily true. I think if you haven't been through it, you can't, you should not be giving advice on it. But I think that there is absolutely nothing wrong with holding space with someone and walking through it with them. Yeah. That gives you education too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. One of the groups that I'm in, um, a guy just lost a hundred pounds and it was a big deal. And the guys who were coaching are like, look, we, we could never, we could never do that because us losing a hundred pounds would put us at an unhealthy weight. You know, he was like 290 and got down to 190. And these guys were like, you know, maybe 190 got down to like 150 or something. Right. So they're just, they're, they're smaller already. They don't have to deal with that. And this guy is giving hope to people who have a lot of weight to lose and is like now a guide and a mentor just by his experience, much like what you just said that um, these guys were holding space and going through that with him, but they could never say, here's how you lose a hundred pounds. They could just say, here's how you lose weight in general. And once he hit that, then he proved this is how you lose a hundred pounds, but they could never do that because they can't, hadn't experienced that. And yeah. so that's, that's like what you were just saying that you, you probably shouldn't be giving advice on losing a hundred pounds, but you can give advice on losing weight. And there, there's those little distinctions where you can now say, like, you know, I haven't had this particular problem, but I do know how to overcome addiction. And I so do. I can help with that. Yes. And and to be honest, with, with all of the, the trauma that I survived growing up, uh, uh, in, there's really not much. There's I not haven't. much. Yeah. Um, there's not. So I can empathize with most things. And, and there are most things that, that I can say, yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. And that's a big deal to be able to look at somebody who's lost and hurting and go, me too. Yeah. Me too. And and it's so valuable for someone who may think like, boy, I just don't have a future because I've made these mistakes to look at you and say, okay, there's a future. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not over. Nope. Like maybe I want to be a paraeducator working with a bunch of teenagers. Maybe I don't. But the fact that she's doing a job that she thought she could never get because of her past, maybe there's hope for me. I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's not even just that, you know, the doors and resources have opened up in our community where we are, we are, we are bringing people to the table to help bridge the gap 
in our community and surrounding communities between poverty and middle class and wealth, um, homelessness, addiction, recovery. Um, we're bringing our we're bringing our law enforcement and probation officers and correction officers to this table to show them, you know, you may hold a power or you may hold a place of power in these people's lives. But they're still people. Mm-hmm. They're still people and they got their lives, too. And we yeah. can look at them at pe- as people. And, and that is a really big deal is to be able to, you know, the lady that prosecuted me for all of my drug charges um, a year after my last prosecution, I spoke with her at a school for Red Red Ribbon Week. And and that was, I just remember being in awe of that moment. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes we just have to do our jobs. Yeah. And it is what it is. And that's when when the consequences of our choices really separate us. But uh, man, when we can cross over to that other side and, and start becoming the voice for those people who are down there and they are suffering and they are silent, that is my biggest accomplishment. Yeah. That's is, is to give, is... I want my voice to give volume to the silent. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I think that's a great place to end. Andy, thanks so much for being part of this. This was awesome. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things. You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's ixl.com slash B-E.